everyone. Welcome to episode number 64 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. And after some uh, delays and, and scheduling stuff, we finally got my buddy Kenny Santucci on here. So Kenny's a, a gym owner from New York. Uh, he owns the, the Strength Club, and you also own the apparel and fitness brand uh, Strong New York. And uh, Kenny and I uh, first linked up in Seattle uh, last September at Luca Hosevar's uh, Vigor uh, Ground Fitness and Business Summit, which unbelievable event. Uh, met a ton of friends at those over the years. So Kenny, it's great to have you on, brother. Buddy, it's an honor to be on. You know, I've been reading your stuff for a long time. Huge fan of T Nation. Uh, love the name of your podcast. I mean, I, did you come up with that? Yeah, but it's still a play on words of live free and die hard, right? So the fourth yeah. die hard movie. I was just name because I did like the old name that me and Guido, my my uh, good friend, who's my former co-host, had the fittest devil. Just never loved it. And we just stuck with it. And then when Guido had a baby and decided, all right, man, you got to keep this going, but I can't do it. Figured, all right. And, and I'm all, I've been all about developing, you know, an, an individual brand in the space. So I had to rebrand the podcast as a piece that aligned with what I was doing versus something that was kind of outside of it. And ultimately, just one of those things you play around with ideas. And, and that's where the name came from. And now I struggle. When I first started, I had trouble not saying the movie name and now i struggle to say the movie name right because i'm so used to saying lift free and diet hard <laughs> so here's here's a question for you what's your favorite die hard movie i mean the original is still so classic and i watch it most christmases i didn't this year i love two as good as three is i it's not my favorite i find it's overrated because it gets away from the formula of the first two and I yeah. really love four. I actually do. I love Timothy Oliphant, the, the villain. It's not his most charismatic. Like usually he plays sheriffs or like Western characters or like charismatic dudes. And he's sort of this really like uncharismatic figure in, uh, in Die Hard 4. But I still love the movie. And then five was a dud, unfortunately, even though I like Jai Courtney who played his son. Just not for me. Yeah, five, five was shit. But I, I, you know what? Because I was, um, you know, in and around like, that age group and I was starting to get interested in New York. I always, I was so drawn to die hard with the vengeance. The third one. I loved it. I thought it was such a good movie. Um, probably like, I obviously love the first one and then the, the second one's good, but I, I, I lean towards the third. So, um, Jeremy Irons was great as the villain. And of course, Samuel Jackson, so, this is when Samuel Jackson was kind of getting out into becoming, uh, an actor. Exactly. the early part I mean, he'd been around for a long time. But people forget that he wasn't a, a, a billable actor at the start of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we could talk about Die Hard all day, but I brought you on here because I also want to talk about your experience as a gym owner and a lot of other things. Yeah. So in, in, in a past generation of the fitness industry, you worked at a commercial gym and then once you left it, all right, what do you do? You, you leave to go open a gym, right? And that's not, there's so many other options now. You, you go online, you become a contractor, another facility like I do, uh, there's just so much, but especially in one of the toughest places in the world to run a gym yeah. in Manhattan, because uh, your gym, correct me if I'm wrong, the gym is actually physically in Manhattan, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're right in, in, the, in the center of Manhattan on 28th and 5th Avenue. There you go. So what was the inspiration to open a gym? Um, for me, it's like 
all I've ever known is blue collar work, right? I come from a blue collar family and all I could ever do was kind of just grind it out and do what I had to do. Like, I don't mind the hustle. I don't mind work. Um, And for me, it was just the natural progression. It was the only place no one's ever had to tell me to go to. Right. Like my parents always used to be like, oh, I got to go to church this weekend. I hated going and I hated going to school. I wasn't very good at it. It was the only thing that I naturally gravitated towards. I have no tattoos because I just can never commit to anything. The only thing I've ever committed to in my whole life was the gym. It's I, I was telling somebody the other day, I think the longest I've ever been without stepping foot into a gym was like three or four days at most. If I'm away, the first thing I look for is a gym. The first thing I want to do in the morning when I am away or vacationing is going to the gym. It's like, it's, it's how I set my day up. Um, you know, and I based my whole life around it. I was a fat kid and going to the gym makes me feel good. Right. It's that one thing that I need to do every day. It's, um, you know, when I talk to Faruja about it, it's always like that. The, uh, the, the things that we can't live without, right. Everybody has those two or three things that we can't live without that set up the rest of our life. Um, and the gym for me is one of those things. And because I get so much joy out of it, I want to help other people find that joy as well. Me putting up on social media, telling people to work out more, to eat right. You know, somebody in Dubai or New Mexico or Canada, you know, me telling them, Uh, Yeah, if they want to use my stuff or online programming, sure. But at the same time, it's like it's just getting more people to take care of themselves. I truly and I've said this a thousand times. It was kind of my inspiration for creating the Strong New York event was I I believe that you can change the the world. You could heal the world a little bit more through fitness. People would be less anxious, less sad, less depressed if they were started to focus on themselves more. You know, we've always been taught to consider that being selfish, but you can't truly help anybody else unless you can help yourself. And I realized that at a young age, when I started to take care of myself and started to prioritize what I need in life, then it, it allowed me to help other people more. There, I, a gym, I, what better way to do that than to actually like operate a gym? Yeah. What's been, what's been the footprint of that gym so far in the immediate community? And you and I talked off air too, we'll go into, you know, your passion for having it as an educational hub, but what has that gym done for the community? Um, So for me, it's, you know, during the pandemic, so I have, I've had two gyms or quote unquote, two gyms uh, before this. So I had a gym back in 2012, 13. Uh, I had a CrossFit gym, fell in love with CrossFit. I was a personal trainer before that doing group fitness. Um, you know, and I wanted my own CrossFit gym and it was, you know, easily accessible. And, you know, I got a great opportunity. Um, sorry, lost there. Uh, I had a really great opportunity through, uh, you know, some people that I had met and CrossFit at the time and Reebok, and they were building a store out in New Jersey. So I had jumped on board and uh, kind of took on this project. I was 49% owner kind of got a little shitty because I had some shitty partners, right? They were the money people. And I think a lot of you hear the same story from CrossFit owners um, constantly about how they, uh, sorry, let me just, um, about how they, uh, you know, get involved with the wrong part. They, they lose the business. The the whole business falls apart. Um, 
came back to New York, worked at a couple other CrossFit gyms, got asked to do, uh, you know, I mean, working in the boutique fitness industry as well here in New York, uh, and then got asked to uh, come on board as a CrossFit coach again at a brand new gym that had just opened up, which was at the time probably the biggest, most expensive CrossFit gym, I'd say in the country, you know, building it out. I think they, they spent like $3 million building out this CrossFit gym. Um, so I went there, uh, kind of turned their business around. They were sh- strictly a CrossFit gym. I had brought uh, a little bit more of a dynamic approach to what we were doing there. So they were just doing CrossFit classes. I started this whole hip program where it went from three classes to 65 classes a week, you know, and we were doing really well with that. And it was, it was basically a CrossFit light mixed with a little like kind of boutique feel that I had from past experiences. So I, I kind of added all these elements together, uh, kind of let everybody, all the coaches who were CrossFit coaches and I brought in some other coaches kind of give their own little flavor to it. And I started noticing that a lot of gyms around the country had started doing the same thing right? It's more about the experience than it was about the program. People want to come in. I would say this is like 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. Like people were really starting to embrace the world of CrossFit, embrace functional training. So it made a lot of sense. Uh, and we did really, really well with that. Uh, again, plagued by shit management, shit ownership. Um, so that fell apart. Fast forward to the pandemic. I had, you know, I was getting 20, 30, 40 people a day in the park in New York, uh, not too far from my apartment. I bought kettlebells and dumbbells and battle ropes and all this stuff. And I started doing workouts in the park. And I was like, well, I just need a home to bring all these people. I just need a place where I could kind of just make my own rules and do my own thing. And um, I, that was just the inspiration. And then with rents started dropping uh, 20 uh, late 2020, early 2021, I was like, all right, let me start poking around. So me and two of my buddies started popping around to a bunch of different spots, looking at different opportunities, found a great location where there's actually four other gyms in the building. Um, you know, one private training studio, a boxing studio, another like kind of PT rehab type place. Um, but I was like, this is just a new flair. I do small group training and private training. Uh, but like we talked about before, I wanted to do some sort of continued educational program there as well, bringing people like yourself, Don, uh, Pat, you know, Jordan Shallows, like the people that I look up to and respect that I'd love to have come visit New York and come check it out. Um, you know, it's still the greatest city in the world. Everybody wants to come here. Everybody comes through here at some time or another. And I wanted this to be the place where people would come do some classes, hang out, go for dinner, you know, make it kind of a weekend out of it. Um, Cause that's my idea of a good time. So I was like, all right, how do I have the most fun with this and make it the most beneficial for myself and the community around me? You know, and, and I was always, uh, you know, growing up, my parents loved uh, the show Cheers. And I love the idea behind like walking in a place and everybody knows your name and everybody feels good. And I just wanted to create that same atmosphere. Dude, I'm just like, I want to be there right now and experience this, right? This sounds fairly similar to what Mark, and you know Mark Fisher as well, mm-hmm. what Mark's kind of done with uh, Mark Fisher Fitness again in Manhattan. And when you said there, you said Don, uh, Don Saladino, who's got the bar in there, who's a good friend of yours, and Pat Davidson, who's also a New York guy. So you have a good community of educators yeah. right there in your doorstep. Uh, with the focus on education, what does that what's the broader philosophy? What does that let you do with the gym in terms of both brand and what you can, how you can positively affect more people? 
Um, yeah, it, it allows me to kind of get access to people who actually give a shit, right? I think there's a lot of people who, I, I think the pandemics it filtered out a lot of the people who are just doing it because they didn't know what else to do. Um, but it allows you to see who the people are who prioritize education, right? Who aren't dogmatic about what they believe in. If you're bringing in different educators with different philosophies, uh, you know, I think to be a good educator or to come kind of come up with your own concept, you have to be somewhat dogmatic. You have to believe in what you're teaching. Um, you know, I, I set up a whole thing years ago at my old CrossFit gym with the guys from on it. I love their style of training. It's a lot of uh, unconventional, unorthodox stuff with the kettlebells and the the maces and a lot of the stuff that they were doing. I think they were the first ones to start doing a lot of like the flowy shit. Um, and I started to really love, fall in love with that. And I brought that in and a lot of people were like, Oh, this is so hokey. It's stupid. And now it's probably one of the most <laughs> looked up things on uh, when, when you start to look at the fitness world and it kind of took over during the pandemic. Um, so I, I'd say I was an early adopter of that stuff, but I love, uh, and then I don't know if you know who the uh, Landmine University guy is. Have you seen any of his stuff? So I don't, but when, we'll come back to him. When you're saying on it and all this sort of stuff, you probably met Sam Pogue in your travels. Sam might have been, oh, yeah. so, Sam's a good friend. He's done the podcast yeah. before, and he's the guy who went around teaching. First time I met Sam, 2017, Luca's event, we hit it yeah. off, and he did a presentation on base training. So he was the man with, with on it who did all the traveling around. And he's been going on to bigger things since. So great dude. Yeah. So I met Sam. So Sam had contacted me about being on their podcast. This is 2016, 2017. Right. I had done his podcast pretty early on. Uh, we got to chatting and I was like, hey, man, I really love what you guys are doing. I had already admired them and I was glad that he reached out to me and I was already doing their stuff. So when I created my class in 2015, um, I had started doing everything with kettlebells. I was teaching people how to use kettlebells. It wasn't as relevant as it is today. Now everybody online has a kettlebell course. Um, so I started teaching everyday people, you know, the average Joe how to swim kettlebell. And most people are like, well, why am I doing this? I was like, it's just an efficient tool. We don't have really the room. We can't be dropping barbells. It's an easier tool to, to master than it, a barbell would be. Um, I think kettlebell conditioning is a great way to get in really good shape. Um, and then we were doing a lot of like strength training. So it was like kettlebells and pull-ups and simple shit like that. Um, that really got people found joy in it and also uh, a good routine to get in great shape. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just a matter of like kind of find the people who really give a shit, who prioritize education and, you know, those end up becoming the people it's like going to the right gym. Like you, you go to a barbell gym or a strength training gym or a globo gym and you start to surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who have the same type of goals, who uh, kind of have the same direction in life. Uh, you know, having a hub for education, you start to kind of surround yourself with those same people um, who look for those same things. And, uh, it helps you really see who, uh, who really gives a shit in the industry. And that's what I like to be around. I, I love being around Pat and Don, like these guys are so hungry and passionate and they're a little bit older than I am. So it keeps me kind of believing in myself. Like there's a lot of times I'm sure you've been asked the same thing. Like, it's like, Oh, you're going to do fitness for the rest of your life. I remember the first time I told my parents, you know, 15 years ago, I was like, I want to be a trainer. They're like, how are you going to make money? Like, what are you going to do? What? And then still to this day, 
you know, I'm, I'm pushing 40 and uh, people are like, well, what are you going to do when you're 50 or 60? And I look at guys like Don and I look at the, you know, um, uh, Pat and a lot of these older guys who are still crushing it and they're better than everybody else. So when I see guys in Jay, you know, these guys are still crushing the fitness industry. Um, and I always said, I was like, when I drop dead or on my dying days, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's in a gym because that means I was pushing it to the day I die. Let's, you know what? I don't think I've ever had a conversation about this in over 210 episodes about thinking about this as an absolute long-term lifelong thing. Because I remember when I first started in a commercial gym, it was a little over 11 years ago. And at that gym, if I can think about it now, only maybe one person that I started with out of a crew of maybe like almost 20 trainers is still in the business. And she's got some really cool stuff going on. It's my friend, Jen Kish, who's a former Olympian. But most of the rest, I mean, one of my pals, he went on to become a firefighter and, you know, other people went on to police services or EM, uh, paramedics or you name it. And not necessarily a lot of people saw it as the long-term career solution. It was sort of a, a thing to do while you're in your 20s before you actually do your real mm-hmm. career. So I suppose I would think anyone listening to this podcast is probably someone who would love to make a true life out of fitness. What do you think is essential for a fitness professional to excel in this for an entire life and, and be able to quote retire. But I got a feeling that if we do this for our, our entire lives, we never fully retire. Cause that's, you never know. You don't retire from a gym, right? You don't retire from this lifestyle. If you truly love the lifestyle and enjoy the lifestyle, it's never something you stop doing. Um, you know, I obviously like money comes when you start to do something really well. And I still tr- feel like I'm trying to master my craft even more. Uh, learning from people and understanding the human body more and nutrition and everything else. I mean, there's so many pieces that go into it. Um, so I still feel like I'm trying to get really good at that and master that craft. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I want to make it my full-time thing. But the other day I, I had just finished that piece of artwork in my gym. I had that gorilla painted on the wall. A friend of mine did, and we were chatting afterwards. Um, and we were talking about passion. Like I grew up drawing no one ever had to tell me to draw. Like I was, it was, it was in me. It was, it, I wasn't born with the talent. I was born with the passion and the drive to want to be really good at it. Um, same thing with this, right? I think it's a God given uh, passion, right? You know, to want to be great at it, to want to continue to spend your weekends when you could go away with your friends or your significant other to one island or something or do it continued education. I, I missed out on so many things, so many opportunities in life. I remember two, three years ago, I went to Wadapalooza for this big fitness event. I just came back from actually this weekend as well. Um, I bought my whole family tickets to go see Sebastian Maniscalco at the garden. And I gave up my seat to go and, you know, further my career a little bit more. You know, so I've missed out on so many opportunities and so many different things socially so that I could get better at what I'm doing. Uh, You know, most of the time, if I take a vacation or I take off, it's to do more stuff within the fitness industry or to to grow my opportunities there. So I think you're born with the passion to want to go and do those things and see those as a priority. Um, and then the talent comes with it. You know, I, I, I've never been good at anything. I was, I was never the strongest. I was never the fastest. I was never the smartest. Um, but I enjoy, I, I like chasing it. I like getting after it. I want to, I want to learn more. I want to be better at things. 
Um, and I think that I've seen so many talented trainers, so many talented, you know, guys when I used to wrestle or uh, play sports, CrossFit even give up and they're like, ah, I don't like it anymore. And they, and they just lose the passion. They lose the drive. They had the talent, the talent's there. They, they kind of gave up on the passions end of it. You know, and my buddy who had done the art piece for me, you know, I was, I met him through art. Um, and I kind of just lost the passion. I kind of lost the drive to want to continue on. So, you know, things happen in life, you know, you, you get off the road and you take a different direction. That's fine. Um, it's, if it's something you really want to do in life, you're going to stick with it. And for me, it's like, I, I kind of doubled down on myself here in New York. You know, I signed a lease for a couple in the next couple of years to build out the space and make this my thing. Um, so, I mean, are there days I question what I'm doing sometimes? Sure. I think everybody does. I think it's so normal and natural, but at the same time, 98% of the time I'm like, yeah, this is what I love doing. What the fuck else would I be doing? Even if I had all the time in the world, like when I see these people who are just like floating through life, even if you have a ton of cash, I'm like, you don't have a direction. You don't have, what, what do you look forward to? Like how many times are you going to take pictures sitting on the fucking back of a boat? Like I would just get anxious having nothing going on. I'm exactly like you. Like I struggle if I really have to sit down and do nothing. I don't slow down physically or mentally very well. I have a few things. Yeah, me neither. I'll sit down and like play a little bit of Witcher sometimes or, but yeah, like I, I feel like there's always all this stuff to do and it's been fulfilling. Right? I really love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. I've had the same sort of thought. I'm like, God, if I wasn't doing this, I hadn't there's a lot of fortuitous events across my life that led me to be where I am that created the opportunities that, that I've, I've had, but I just like, what would, what would have happened if some of these things hadn't fallen into place? Where would I be? And I just can't imagine the traditional job, right? Like I just, I just couldn't do it. And I, I love what I do. And I really do imagine doing this forever. And I'm not in this rush to, get away from the the gym floor either i really do hope i can coach people like in person hands-on forever there will come a time where i'll do less hours of it and that's mm-hmm. the, the foundation of that is starting to be built now and i'm a big believer in uh, i did a presentation just this past weekend for kabuki education week and it, a lot of it's on brand building in the fitness industry and a lot of the important aspects of it uh, and one of i like to think in terms of authority and credibility and fitness professionals establishing there's a whole array of things that fitness professionals can do that will set them apart as having credibility and authority in this industry. And I never kind of reveal the criteria for how I choose podcast guests. And there's a whole bunch of moving parts to it. But one of those things is whoever I have on here has to have some fairly substantial credibility and authority in a few key dimensions. And one is as an educator and in a, certainly a really good example is owning a physical facility. We have a lot mm-hmm. of people in our industry who've been successful because they're very well known, at least either almost entirely or one dimension is the fact that they're a gym owner. Luca Hosovar is a good example. That was bigger. He's done everything. Don, again, same thing. He's, you know, owned a gym. Um, there's a whole bunch of Mark Fisher. Again, one of the reasons why everybody knows who Mark is. Well, Mark's an amazing educator and done an incredible amount of speaking, presenting, and built a really great reputation for himself. But it primarily started because of that physical facility allowed him to grow into all these other dimensions and create those relationships. Mm -hmm. So owning a physical facility is a phenomenal piece of what I like to call career capital that 
for any coach who's listening to this, if that thing, if the fact that you, even if it's like you own a small studio, that should be first and foremost in your bio. It gives you credibility with everybody else around that you are a gym owner, right? And doesn't matter if it's a 25,000 square foot facility, like, you know, the new Evolves that are going in, or if it's a small place, like, like the rent on a 25,000 square foot facility in, in downtown Manhattan, that would be absolutely ridiculous. What's the square footage on your place? 2,400 square feet. 2,400, right. So it, you can do a really killer job with, with teaching people. Actually, here's a good line of questioning that I was going to pivot into. What does creating a great fitness experience look like when you have that constraint that you, know, you, you don't have uh, a massive amount of space to work with and you have a group of people? So how do you do that? So in New York City, it's a different environment for everything, right? You know, and outside of Manhattan, everything is bigger, better, right? The more grandiose the space, the higher the ceilings, the, the more square footage you have, uh, you're looked at as better. In New York City, it's like the more intimate, the better, right? If you have a small space where it's more exclusive, where you feel like you're at home a little bit more. Some of the best restaurants in New York uh, for Charles Prime, very intimate, small. They only have like 12 tables. It's very sought after. Um, Reyos up in uh, Harlem, another very small, intimate space. Uh, Emilio's Bellotto, Carbone, all these places in Manhattan are very small. They're very tight. Uh, Mineta Tavern, right? The, that's the, the vibe of New York City. And what I wanted to do with the, the gym was to create that same vibe that intimate little space, right? You, you work with what you have. You don't try to create more. Like when I was at my old gym, we had 11,000 square feet. So the whole time, you know, the most important thing we had to worry about all the time is trying to fill the space. You have 11,000 square feet. Now you need to get enough people in there. Now I have a small amount of space where it's built for the community. And I've said this years ago when I, when I built my first gym and things were starting to fall apart, it's like build a community first, build the, that, becomes the gym. The people become the gym. Um, you know, the, the employees become the gym. Uh, and then the four walls around it don't really fucking matter. You know, I, I used to argue with the, the ownership over at my old gym. And I said, you know, if I give you the keys to Madison square garden, great. You have the greatest arena in the world, but you, if you don't have the, the talent to put in there, then nobody's fucking showing up. Right. If I gave you uh, you know, faster pussycat, you know, you're going to get 50 people to fucking show up, but you're never going to pay the rent off. But if I get you fucking Billy Joel there, you're going to fill this place up. And that's what made it special. <laughs> Madison Square Garden didn't become the greatest arena in the world because the way it was built. It's because who they had there was the talent that came through, right? It was the special moments that happened there. And I think that holds true. It's like the same thing with these restaurants that I just, you know, it's not the four walls. It's the talent of the chef. It's the, the uh, staff that work there. It's the way people felt when they walked in there. Like, that's what I wanted to recreate, that special feeling of being at home. Everybody wants to be accepted and feel like they're at home. You know, everybody knows your name. The, like I said before, the whole idea behind Cheers, like, that's what's so warm about watching that show, right? Like, you felt like you belonged in that bar because everybody else did. You know, when you, people come from all walks of life, like my gym isn't all these stud athletes and fucking Instagram models. It's, it's everyday people who feel like they have a place where they belong. Andrew makes a pretty good Instagram model. 
<laughs> yeah, he's a handsome little guy for sure. Yeah, um, Andrew's great too. Uh, met Andrew along with you in uh, in Seattle for everybody listening on. So, um, yeah, you get, you got good people around you from what I've seen so far, and I like the energy of the space. Like if you know anybody, well, what I always hope is anyone listening will turn around and follow your social media, and they'll get to see what it's like. You'll get to see a lot of a couple things, I guess. Uh, you know, a bit of New York lifestyle. Uh, and a lot of the apparel brand stuff you guys have been doing and also like mm -hmm. what the training facility looks like uh, and what's going on there. So let's, let's actually talk the apparel brand. I mean, a lot of people love the idea of getting into apparel brands and yeah. I mean, it almost, I don't even know how to say it, but it almost seems like a, a thing to do for, for some people in the fitness industry, but I like what you guys have done with yours. So what was the idea of of stepping into another space because you're already focused on your core competency of this gym and this community. How does the brand make your core competency better and not take physical time and mental energy away from something that you, you need to make sure you do really well. So the gym, uh, you know, like how you'll, you'll hear a lot of, um, you know, different motivators and educators talk about having like a side hustle. Um, for me, like t-shirts have always been my thing. Like I said, I grew up doing art and I love art and I love, I've always been a t-shirt collector. I, if I go to a concert or an event, I'm always getting the shirt. I'm one of those people. If I go to a gym, I'm getting one of the shirts. It's like, it's just my thing. I, again, I'm born with a passion to enjoy those things. Like those are like, I, when I, I still have a Harley Davidson, but if I went to like a different Harley dealership, if I rented something or I bought a part from there, I'd always get one of the shirts from there. So I have Harley dealer, uh, Harley shirts from South Africa, from China, from all over the world. I don't wear some of them. Most of them are probably printed. I, I read years ago that Harley makes like 60% of its profit off the apparel and stuff. Um, and, but like none of the shirts are made really that well. They're always like these boxy, really heavy shirts. Uh, so you got to chop them up or you just got to be a fat bastard and fill them out a little bit more. Um, I don't have the frame for it, but um, anyway, no. So it was, it was kind of my thing. This is the third t-shirt brand I've had. You know, I've started multiple t-shirt brands in the past. And, you know, when I was in college, I was super into it. I want to do it. I remember reading a story in a magazine about Mark Echo and how he started with like three shirts and he was selling them out of the trunk of his car. Uh, and then when I got on, when I was on television, I wanted to kind of just push something that I liked, that I believed in, that were cool shirts that I could wear everywhere. So I started another t-shirt brand. People don't realize that like when you start to get success, you probably failed three or four times before that at least. Right. So like my first gym, I guess you could have said I was successful, but like, I didn't go, I didn't pay to go to school for exercise science or business school, but I learned a lot. Right. And the same thing with the second uh, gym I had, I, I didn't again, pay for business school or exercise science, but again, I learned a lot. So this is my third rendition of the shirts of the gym, you know, and I'm hoping this is the one, if it's not the one, I have the passion to continue on to do it again. Um, so for me, the shirts was just like, shit, I like doing, I'm like, Oh, I love that idea. I can make that a shirt or I love the layout of that. I want to make that a, a version of my shirt. The whole idea behind Strong New York was the philosophy uh, and the event that I had created. So I wanted something that meant, uh, you know, what what strength was to me, right? So it's the mental and the emotional and the physical all rolled up into one, right? I think the physical things that I've done in my life, running Ironmans, doing CrossFit, 
wrestling has led me to believe that I could do certain things emotionally and mentally as well. So with that being said, it was kind of where I started the whole event from. And I started going to all these events. I went to the Arnold and Olympia and LA Fit uh, Expo and uh, FitCon and all these events. And to me, it was just like, it was more supplements and bodybuilding and things like that, uh, where I wanted to make more of an community experience, just like the gym and bring in educators and bring in people. And I just wanted a, a brand to go along with it. So I called the whole thing strong New York. It's simple. It's clean. It's strength, New York. That's where we're at. I wanted to build something here in the city because there is no big fitness event here in the city. And strong is something that everybody could get behind, right? You're it's, I always say it, there's nothing wrong with being strong. There's never a downside. No one's ever like, you're too strong or you look too good. You know? um, so I wanted those just simple ideas fold up into one. Um, and that's where I kind of came up with the idea. So everything's like kind of just a play on things that I love mixed with my brand. Anybody can hear any beeping in the background. Uh, the we're finally getting some snow clearing in my neighborhood. So getting Edmonton, Alberta, we've been like getting cold, cold, cold weather with a lot of we've had some bad icy roads. So there's some uh, equipment out there doing it. Finally, uh, I love what you just said. And I, I tend to think of New York as this iconic example of perseverance i mean you're just talking about a lot of perseverance in your career and i noticed the theme of like your third time and the fact that you stuck with it because you're passionate about it this i don't even need to say any more about that because the lesson's embedded but there's definitely something about the spirit of new york that like, i think the brand stronger new york is great because you know i'm we're both old enough to remember what it felt like with 9 11 right you know that's what 20 yeah. years ago now and that was the epicenter of the world and what was going on and the focus because of that, that event and New York it was really strong in the face of it. I think it unified people. And I don't think there's anywhere in certainly North America that probably got hit harder because of the nature of New York uh, mm -hmm. with the pandemic, right? Cause a lot of stuff was shut down. How many months was Mark uh, forced to shut down MFF? I mean, they had to close one of their locations just due to, yeah, how, how long you guys were in this, uh, in this restriction. So it's nice to see again, kind of coming out of the ashes of this stuff really strong. So I think there's some, some, some stronger theme going on in that. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, when you think about cities like Detroit or Newark, New Jersey, who they fall and it, it's hard for a city to come back and New York does have a resiliency to it. Um, and it is this, you know, it's this larger than life city. Um, you know, think about it, like during the 70s and 80s, it was shitty. During the early 90s, it was shitty. Then 9-11 happened. Then, you know, we lived through two years of the pandemic. So it's like New York is every 10 to 15 years to go, it kind of goes through these lulls. Um, but it always comes back. And it's like, you know, I think strength comes from, you know, not the guy who's the strongest, but the guy who won't stay down. That's why we all love the Rocky story, right? Like he's he was beat just as many times as he won. Um, you know, and we love that. We love that human aspect of it. Um, and it gives us all hope. Like we love an underdog story and, uh, you know, it happens a lot of times here. And, um, you know, I, as much as people fucking hate him, um, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Donald Trump, you know, don't hate me just cause I said Donald Trump. Uh, but he used to say, he's like, I'd rather the guy who has lost a couple times than a guy who always wins because the guy who's lost a couple times knows the pitfalls, right? 
doesn't mean he's a loser. Like anybody who believes that, like, oh, if you fail, you're a loser. It's like, no, you've learned. If you stay down and if you never try again, then you're a loser. But it's like, if you continue to try, right, and you continue to push forward, then, you know, what could people say about you? You can't hate the guy for trying. You can't hate the guy for standing back up. So people who continue, continuously persist and continue to go forward, think about how many people, I mean, Abraham Lincoln, right? Everybody loves telling the story of like how many times he lost, how many times he lost, and then he becomes one of the greatest presidents of all time. Um, so I think we love that resiliency. And I think that's one of the things, the characteristics of New York that people love. It's a characteristic that, will be important for anybody in a fitness career. I mean, we've dealt with two years of extreme uncertainty and I'm aware that I was really fortunate in a lot of ways. Uh, my ability to set up a home fitness studio, to, to ride things out. Uh, I had, I doubled down on a lot of my media brand growth, social media growth, which flourished. And now coming out the other side of those two years, you know, you can't go backwards and do it all over again for anybody who missed that opportunity. And, and, maybe it wasn't something that people had the mental energy to do when it started. It just happened to be a lot of good luck and that's turned into speaking engagements and, and more writing uh, opportunities. But it all started for me with traveling to these fitness events. And again, I met you because I decided even despite the headaches of, you know, flying into it out of Canada, I still want to go down to, uh, to vigor. And actually they wouldn't let me on my flight to come back because um, the place to get the testing had labeled my PCR test wrong. So I had to get them on the phone, get in line to get a test at the airport as a backup plan. Eventually this place sent the right results. I go back upstairs, get booked on the next plane, lucky enough to make that stressed out over a, a potential issue with a connection. Once I get back to Vancouver, cause I had to take two flights instead of going straight to Edmonton. And I was burnt out. I was actually really sick for a day afterwards just because of a full day of just pure stress. If anybody's ever had a day where it was just nonstop razor's edge of like uh, sympathetic nervous system, like crush. And it just, I crashed afterwards, but I'm so glad I went down. I got to hang out with you. I got to hang out with my buddy Luther Glover and, and hang out with Don and all these great people. Uh, my buddy, Sam Forge. There was so many good people at that event. And so I said, no more fucking traveling until the shit's over. But then uh, a couple of guys I know, Derek Mendoza and Nick Lamb, they're hosting an event called Raise the Bar in Florida. It's February 4th, 5th, 6th. And the lineup's nuts. Luke is speaking at it. Um, it's like Chris Duffin and Dan John and... Oh, wow, really? Molly Galbraithson. Dean Somerset was supposed to go. He, he couldn't. He, he's concerned about the, the travel restrictions. But he's going to do something virtually. Uh, who else is in the event? Like... This thing is the who's who. It's got Clifton Harsky, John Russin's in it, uh, Shanti Cofield, who's really super cool, uh, Charlie and Ali Weingroff, Joel Jameson's going to be there. Like, this is nuts. Anyway, yeah. so it's a three-day thing. I, I said, help, I'm going down. You know, stuff could still go haywire uh, between now and then. i got to be able to pass a test and get on the plane. But I decided to make a week of it because then my favorite band, Tool, I, I see that they announced concert dates a while back. So I'm like, Hold on a second. They're playing in Florida in February. Hold on. This event's in Florida in February. Let me look. So the events are 4th, 5th, 6th in Orlando. Tool's playing on the 8th in Orlando and the 9th in Tampa and the 10th in Miami. I'm like, oh shit, this is a side. <laughs> so I get the tickets for Orlando in the 8th and Tampa the 9th. I just, I couldn't, I was like, ah, nah, I'm not gonna do three days in a row. 
but I'm going to go see these concerts. And so my girlfriend wanted to go down to something like Mexico anyway. So I was like, all right, cool. Why don't you come with me? I'll pay for everything. And we'll go hang out for the week and I'll do this event and we'll go to the concert and maybe we'll catch Universal Studios on the day off. So yeah. I'm going down. I don't know if you got that weekend free, fourth, fifth, sixth, but if you want to come down, man. There's yeah, still- I, think I think I might have to do that. Um, Bring Andrew down. So wait, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, whatever the fourth, fifth, sixth are. Uh, so three-day event, I think it is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, the organizers are yeah. great guys. I just had them on. So anybody who's listening to this would have heard me talking to Nick and Derek. Uh, Derek just finished up. He, he worked for the Seattle Mariners for years in their strength and conditioning uh, crew. Uh, and Nick uh, does a lot of like courses and stuff with online. His, his whole brand is online sleep coach. But they're good dudes and they're guys that I think more people should know about. And they're really doubling down on the educational space. Derek's down in, he's, he's in Texas and I know Nick is in Florida. And I don't know, I'm excited about this event. And yeah, the travel might be a bit of a headache, but we seem to have gotten good flights. I mean, there's tons that could go wrong. I know that a lot of flights have been getting canceled and, you know, all it takes is just, whoops, positive test just because everything's out in the community yeah. uh, just before it and I can't get on that flight and then it screws everything up. And then there's always a possibility of getting exposed down there and then getting stuck down there longer. But I said, you know what? I'm going to gamble on this and be careful. Take, take, you know, the best precautions possible. It'll be a fun experience to go see everybody. I mean, my buddy Lee Boyce is coming down from Toronto. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting to see him. I'm just trying to remember all the names on this lineup because it's crazy. I'm going to look it up. up Well, see, that's the thing. And that's why I created the event I did was because I found myself traveling to all these events. It was Ohio and Arizona and Florida. And I was like, I why just do something here in New York. So, um, yeah. You Brett, know. Brett Bartholomew, uh, John Berardi, Nick Winkleman, who I'm excited to see Tony Jettelcorn, and Lisa Lewis. Um, let me bring this thing up. This thing's nuts. Uh, Perry Nicholson. Where's this going to be at a convention center? Yeah, Perry Nicholson. Uh, and it's a small, intimate event, too. It's not a big, big one. It's it's smaller. Pat Rigsby's going to be there. Rachel Cosgrove. Uh, Mike Robertson is scheduled. Kevin Carr. Andrea Hayes. Uh, Steve Krebs. Uh, Michael Mullen. Yeah. Krebs. Yeah. But. Assuming that nothing changes, because there was another speaker in the lineup that I know also pulled out, so there's no point in even mentioning the name. But, uh, you know, stuff can change. But either way, it's a crazy lineup. So And it's Florida, yeah. so they ain't going to cancel that. Well, I guess I'm going to see you in like two weeks from now. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is uh, the boys are going to give me actually anybody listening who's interested. The boys are actually sending me an affiliate link. So I'll send you by affiliate link. You sign up through that and I get, I get something out of it. And I'm like, I'm transparent about it. Like it, more and more because of my media, people are sending me affiliate links and I'm only going to endorse stuff. That I believe it. I'm literally going there if, if everything goes according to plan. So who's putting this whole thing on? Uh, my pals, uh, Nick Lamb and Derek Mendoza. Okay. And they have a gym down in Orlando? No, they don't have a physical facility, but they are. it's going to be held at a facility. So what I'll do is off air, I'll actually connect you up with the boys, okay? That'd be awesome, yeah. Great. Yeah, I'll come down. I'll probably bring like two or three people with me. Hell yeah. So. Cool. Um, we're, we'll chat a little bit more off air, but uh, thanks for everybody for uh, for hanging out with me and Kenny. And I'm just sitting here smiling because I'm like, I just I really enjoy Kenny's energy. It's one of the reasons why I had to have you <laughs> on here. And I'm glad it finally worked. So let's tell people where they can find more of you and your media, more about your gym. Yes. Super simple. Uh, the string club NYC is our Instagram for the gym at strong. New York is kind of the overall arching brand that 
kind of do everything underneath my programming, uh, kind of the shirts, the gym kind of falls under that category. And then at Kenny Santucci is my, you know, kind of private account. Um, private you know, account with a hundred thousand followers and a blue check mark, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, somebody told me the other day, they're like, you know, you put up a lot of motivational stuff and it wasn't by design or by, uh, you know, by purpose, it was kind of just the way I feel. And I just put up the shit that I enjoy. You'll see a lot of stuff about my family up there and, you know, just the, the mood and the way I am on a daily basis. I try to keep myself motivated. And by doing that, I, I guess I'm inspiring other people with chops out sometimes. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm all about. And if you're not into that shit, then don't follow me, but <laughs> follow me. <laughs> anybody listening, I think is probably plugged into the same kind of ethos that we are, right. To subscribe to the same philosophies and the same long-term interests. So, I'm particularly inspired by the the thought about, you know, how do we make sure that this works for all of us for the long run? So anybody who's listening, again, always love to hear from you guys. Shoot me a message. If you have questions or, you know, you want to think more about how to make your career sustainable. I'm always open to questions about it. Kenny, great to have you on your, hang on after offline. And for everybody else, especially if anybody has found this podcast through Kenny's media, and it's the first time you've heard me. So we've thrown a few names around. I've had Luca Hosevar on not too long ago. Luca always makes a really great guest. You know what? Scroll back through, listen to the Luca episode. And if you like it, check out, scroll through my guest list. It's the who's who of the industry. You'll find people that you know and love. Listen to that stuff. And maybe I'll keep you around. Maybe you'll subscribe. I'll earn the continued listenership. And for everybody else who's already been here, thank you so much. I want to hear from you guys on Instagram. If you're not following me, Andrew Coates Fitness, make sure you connect there. Kenny, thank you, my friend. Thank you, brother.